everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. My name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, babe. First time in 2023 for us. Yes, it is. Well, we pre-recorded like maybe four episodes just mm-hmm. so we could be freed up for the um, holidays. Yep. And so it's like our first day back yeah. in a long time, it yeah. feels like to us anyway. Right. And that's all that matters, I guess, maybe. Wow, whatever. So happy New Year to everybody. I know, um, whatever, it's a weekend. Who cares? But uh, we want to say thanks for all your support in the previous year every single one of you and we've grown by leaps and bounds i think we had like a hundred downloads per episode last year at this time and now it's about four thousand or so in that area so it's uh we're moving in the right direction yeah yeah very much appreciated thanks for coming and listening to us uh we appreciate it and um from there uh if you like what you hear on this show a free way to support us is by leaving a review on like apple podcasts for instance and um you know if you don't have an android device i, I understand you can't do that but i just want to read one of the reviews that were recently left here uh it says absolutely love I normally listen on Spotify, but I had to write a review here on Apple Reviews. I love Mike and Allison so much and look forward to their podcast every episode. I'd never used Patreon before, but I just got it to subscribe to them. It's probably the most worth Patreon subscription you'll ever invest in. That's awesome. Now, we did not pay this person to say this. We did not. And as a matter of fact, she's paying us, I believe. So thank you so much. Very, yes, very thank kind. thank you. These two deserve all the love and support in the amount of time they go over every case. Um, and I just want to, you know, continues to say, uh, it, it mentions that you cover mostly the uh, crime stories. The like murder. The murders. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I cover more like mysteries, which is absolutely accurate that's not on purpose that's just kind of what interests me more right you don't like the gory um, murder no. cases i mean if you listen to all of our episodes i've cried several times and i hate crying and yeah if i do i do that's fine but i just rather would not feel like an absolute mm-hmm. you're crap. a major weepa yeah i mean i feel stuff so you know. well it's good to feel stuff you're uh, a know. human you have a heart you taught me that yeah you're an empath fact. i used to uh not really share a lot of feelings my i come from a family that doesn't share a lot of feelings and uh that's okay but now now i do now i share maybe too many feelings yeah well we've been together this year will be 27 years so it's been a long haul mike yeah it has so anyways thanks for the review if you want to help us out um leaving a review is a great way to do that yeah we really do appreciate it yep Uh, you can do that on spotify you can leave a uh, a star review on spotify you can go to uh, amazon audible leave like a text review if you want but those are really the only places yeah so thanks for doing that um, anything what's going on with you so far um, this year well like you said it's a fresh new year which leaves opportunity to kind of just reevaluate the sitch and i sitch. Wow. Am, so now you're cool this year i'm apparently. so cool. i turned over a new leaf and this leaf is cool okay so i always just use it as an opportunity to kind of reevaluate the organization of our house you were so proud when i came out i think it might have been like january 2nd or january 1st the new year's day and I came out of the bedroom and waking up, get my coffee, and I looked over and you, you're reading a book and you're like, yep, just get my organization started. Yep. I whipped out my two like organization. One of them's a minimalista. The other one, I can't remember what it's called, but I just kind of flip through them every year. Just say like, oh, what can I do differently? I redid our baking cart, made things more efficient. Uh, you were mentioning the lint. I got a lint trap holder. It's a fascinating thing. These little things you don't even think about that could just kind of help a tiny bit in your space without you spending too much money. Right. It was under $20 and it's a magnet that adheres to your metal uh, laundry. And you know, you have to clear the lint trap on your dryer every time you put in a new load. And rather than looking around for a garbage can, it's right there. Yeah. You just drop it until it's full and then you pitch it. Now it sticks right 
to the thing. It's like ingenious. I'm like, why didn't we have this earlier? Why didn't I think of this? And then why? you got the the grocery bag thing, which I think everybody has something. But we we I think we stuffed it into a pitcher before. Yeah, we it did. Was kind of stupid. This was more it organized. Just, it's one of those things where you step back. You're like, why did we do this for like five years? Yeah, it could have been so much easier this way. Yeah. So you bought like this bag where they come out of the bottom and you stuff them in the top. Yeah, because now we have a kitten again, so we're scooping cat litter and so you know just cleaning this, cleaning that, organizing this, purging that. We cleaned our garage yesterday. Yeah. All that good stuff. It's just nice to have a, a fresh space. Yeah. And it, we can do that in Florida because it's not freezing cold outside. And, yeah. You know, all, it's all 70 that. degrees out there today. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was, it was nice. Uh, I kind of, my, my job's up in the air because uh, our company changed names and I've changed positions and all kinds of stuff. So it's uh, it's been a little stressful, but exciting at the same time. So things on my side are a little, uh, little topsy-turvy, yep. I guess I'd say. But um, we'll take it all in stride. Exactly. And otherwise, we're just plugging along. I'm glad to be back in our normal recording sesh of the podcast. Sitches, seshes. Sitch, sesh, sesh. Sesh, such. We don't know what's going to come out of this mouth next. Who knows? It's a new year, new you. Exactly. All right. Well, you want to do this thing? I'm ready if you are. I am. So this one was actually suggested by our little cousin, Lexi. Um, we adore her. I've heard this case. I'm positive you have not. To be clear, she's an adult. Uh, she is. She's not like a little person or anything. But and, yeah, for age-wise for yes. us, she's like 20 years she's younger than age. us. So. Yes. so we can call her our little cousin. Um, but so anyway, she suggested this. I've heard it on a podcast before. Again, I don't think you've ever heard this, Mike. So we'll see. If it's not the big big boppers, then I haven't heard of it. No. Um, so this is the murder of Seth Jackson. And it actually takes place in our state of Florida. So on April 18th, 2011, 15-year-old Seth Jackson was reported missing by his parents. Seth was born in January of 1996 to Sonia and Scott Jackson, and he had two brothers. He was described as kind-hearted. He dreamed of being a UFC fighter. He loved to spend time with his friends and his family. He was an animal lover, and he enjoyed four-wheeling with his family. So he lived in Summerfield, Florida, which is about 65 miles northeast of Orlando, or 15 miles northeast of Ocala. Or, do you say Ocala? Ocala? I say Ocala. Okay, I don't know why I'm saying Ocala. We were just in Ocala last week. We were coming back from a little uh, weekend getaway that we took with the family. Beautiful country side it is so um that's where when i mentioned the four-wheeling there is like a lot of people who have horses and and things like that live in ocala what's that place we passed that was like so country it was like a mud pit and uh it something was or other it was like, like hog wild yeah, hog wild mud pit and something or other it was like all these people bring all their four-wheelers it looks like a great time yeah central florida obviously you're you're in the center of the state you're not on either coast central there's florida is pretty much like you're driving through alabama or mississippi mm-hmm. it's pretty you know. though there's yeah. like the big tree with the hanging moss and while we were in ocala i said because we stopped at um what sandwich place was at jimmy john's and i was like my next case that i'm doing takes place in the city like near the city oh yeah so it was about a 28 minute drive or 15 miles from where we were just last week so anyway it was summerfield florida and seth was basically described as a typical teenager who was popular amongst his friends In December of 2010, Seth was a sophomore in high school when he started dating 15-year-old Amber Wright. Mm. Their relationship ended in March of 2011, so it didn't last very long. Started in December, ended in March. And Seth's parents weren't very impressed with Amber. They initially thought that she was nice, but as they got to know her a little bit more, they saw her as more of a manipulative person. Yeah, you got to stay away from that. Yeah, and you know how sometimes teenage relationships can have so much drama and turmoil and you're watching your kid go through it and it's 
So it's like, it doesn't have to be like this. Like 20 years from now, you're going to realize how stupid this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, it's all they know. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and they're going, they're going through other changes and stuff. So yeah, you and I met when we were 16, but we didn't have that like teenage drama. I, I never wanted to be a part of that. No, I needed to give you a little bit more attention, I think. But um, other than that, yeah, you good. were a little inattentive initially, but you know, you were playing high school football, all that good stuff. So as short-lived as the relationship was, it was also described as very toxic. And that's really never what you want for your kid, you know, to be in a relationship like this. You don't want it for your kid. You don't want it for your friends. Anybody that you love. It's it's hard to watch. There's not much you can do because when somebody's in a relationship and they care for the person, even if it is toxic, at that moment, they're not seeing the truth. And not to mention, nobody's going to want to be around you and your significant other. It mm-hmm. sucks to be around people that are toxic. It's terrible. It does. It, it pulls you down and you see the reality and then they're turning around and telling you like, oh, they did this cute thing. And you're like, it's nothing is cute about this relationship. You pretend it's, you're like, oh, that's great. Until the next time you tell me you hate their guts. Right. It's a pile seconds. of hot steaming garbage. Yeah. Um, I dealt with that. One of my roommates in college was in a horrific relationship and you try to be there for your friend. You try to be supportive and loving, but it's really difficult. If you listen to our podcast enough, we've talked about this person several times. So in an episode with Piers Morgan, Amber indicated that the relationship revolved around not so positive things, um, smoking weed, doing cocaine and having sex. Well, what else is there in teenage years? 15. (laughs) Weed, cocaine and and sex. I mean, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's tough if that's what you're building your relationship Mm -hmm. on. Though they often, too, tried to make each other very jealous. Hmm. So not good. Just all around not good. So in early March of 2011, Seth wrote on his Facebook wall, I love you, Amber. But by April 7th, this had kind of taken a 180 degree turn and his tone changed and he was calling Amber a slut on Facebook. Man, if I could just burn Facebook to the ground, I think that'd help out many, many people. It's fantastic for keeping in touch with your family and stuff. But there's so much drama. I mean, we just had something similar, you know, that just happened. It's like, I just, it doesn't need to go on there. Just come on. Share some cute pictures of what you've been doing. (laughs) Like we should like moderate Facebook a little bit. Be like, okay, only share cute stuff and good things. Yeah. (laughs) Personally, I gave up Facebook probably three to four years ago. I know I mentioned this on this podcast, but I would go on there and I would realize that it was just bringing me down. Initially, I didn't realize that it was that. I just noticed my mood was kind of like, eh, afterwards. Mine was after the latest election. It's just like, man, I get angry at stupid people. And I'm just like, okay, I'm done with this. Well, and then like the COVID, do you vaccinate? Do you not? It's like, shut the F up. Do what you want and yeah. just shut the F up. Right. That's my my uh, prerogative on that. So again, you know, there's a lot of shaming going on on the platform of uh, Facebook between Amber and Seth. Their public Facebook battle began on April 8th with Amber writing on Seth's page saying, I got so tired of you treating me like I was nothing. If you're so perfect, why don't you get over your jealousy and get a new girl you can hurt? You know I care deeply about you. I stuck with you through a lot of stuff. It takes a real man to accept the fact that he got broken up with. So perfectly fine message to send direct to the person. Right. Why do you have to publicly post it? (laughs) That's what we need to look at. Why do you feel the need to put this publicly so that other... Because obviously they want other people to say, yeah, don't Mm -hmm. worry, you got this girl, you're strong, you're better than that. Or, you know, 
that and turn on Seth and be like, get a life, loser. Yeah, he sucks. What an asshole. Exactly. Just don't air your dirty laundry. So Seth responded by saying, we both needed to just let this all go. Yeah, we split. Yeah, it hurt, but I'm over it. I'm just not going to let Mike have his cake and eat it too. I love cake. So who is Mike? We're not talking about you eating no cake, Mike. We're talking about somebody else. So it was around this time that the relationship ended. So what I heard in some places was that it was infidelity, that Amber was starting to hook up with this guy named Mike. Others said that it kind of just ended and she slid right into this new relationship. Yeah, who knows if Seth is trying to blame it on this Mike character when really it was him and or maybe it was the girlfriend or who, who knows. We don't know only one one side because it mm-hmm. sounds like we're not going to be hearing from Seth. So um, regardless, when their en- our relationship was ending, Amber's was picking up with this guy named Mike. So who I'm speaking of is 18-year-old Michael Bargo. Amber lied and told Michael that Seth was abusive to her during their relationship. And this was not true. That sucks. So manipulative right there. Mm -hmm. So automatically, this Michael guy is looking out for Seth and probably wants to beat his ass. Mm -hmm. If if I had to, you know, guess. Yes. You know, teenagers tend to want to protect their girlfriends and stuff. And you got hormones raging and testosterone. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what she wanted. So in addition to Michael, you know, having fuel fired by Amber, there was also issues between the relationship of Seth and Amber's stepbrother, Kyle Hooper. The two had been friends. Um, when I say the two, Kyle and Seth had been friends, though the relationship deteriorated after Seth and Amber broke up, and it only got worse when Kyle found Seth in bed with a girl named Alyssa, who Kyle was interested in. One week before Seth went missing, Kyle sent Alyssa a text message saying that he was going to kill Seth. So <laughs> I'm sure that happens going a lot. Well. That's not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So two to three weeks before Seth went missing, he and Michael had a run-in with each other at Amber's house. Threats were exchanged, and then one week before his disappearance, Michael went to Seth's house and easy for me to say, Seth's house and began another argument. And then, of course, they're at Seth's house and Seth's mom overhears Michael threatening her her son. So she's like, get the hell out of here. So what she heard him say was, um, I have a bullet with your name on it. Awesome. And if I heard somebody say that to my child... I would not, that would not sit well with me. I mean, that's... That's attempted, I mean... Well, a threat to murder. Correct. I mean, you you start to wonder, like, is this just a teenager that's just spouting out anger? I don't know. 99% of the time, absolutely. But you'd hate to be that 1% where it's just... Yeah, I mean, you just threatened my son's life. Right. I'm not going to call the cops and document this, hopefully. Although at the same time, it is kind of the country a little bit. So everybody's got guns and, you know, they're used to going hunting and all that stuff. So it's not as big of a deal as if like one of the kids in our neighborhood said it. Right. We're in the suburbs. We don't have a lot of firearms in this area that we know of. We do. Every single house does because this is Florida. Right. But But maybe not to this extent. So regardless, Michael and Kyle... um, So Michael and Kyle are basically teaming up and they're wanting to take on Seth and Seth's friend, William Samalot, and, you know, get together and fight each other. (laughs) Like an old fashioned gang fight. (laughs) Exactly. So during this time frame, a girl named Charlie Ely allowed some of her friends, including Michael Bargo, to move into her two bedroom house in Summerfield. Michael owned a 22 caliber heritage revolver, which he kept at Charlie's house. He often went out and fired the gun on her property. 
Seth and William, his friend, agreed to the fight. They were set to meet at Charlie's house. Like, what is the what are the ramifications of this fight? Are they saying like you can bring brass knuckles, like chains? Like, what is it? Just fisticuffs? I'd imagine. I would imagine just fists. Okay, that's what I gathered. And did they agree in this? I, I don't know if you have any of those. Details. I don't have those details. Are, but like, are they talking like texting? Like, okay, well, yeah, we're gonna meet up. Okay, this is the day, and you bring your boy, and I'll bring mine. It was determined that this was the day they were gonna mo- uh, meet up. They were gonna meet at Charlie's property. But when um, Seth and his friend arrived to the property, they could hear gunshots. And that's when they turned and they're like, we are getting the heck out of here. So Michael did admit that at the time they showed up that he was shooting a gun in their direction to scare them a little bit off. So regardless, they left. And at the time of Seth's disappearance, 18-year-old Charlie's home included herself, 18-year-old Michael, 16-year-old Kyle, and another 20-year-old named Justin Soto. Occasionally, Amber would stay the night, and this would bring their foursome to five. So we're talking about very young people in this house, Mm -hmm. you know, mostly teenagers. Yep. So on April 17th, 2011, which was the day before Seth was reported missing, he got a text from Amber saying that she wanted to talk with him about getting back together. So is she trying to fish him back to somewhere? She's reaching out saying, hey, let's reconcile. Uh huh. Sure she is. So he agreed and he texted her back. Amber, if you have me jumped, I will never give you the time of day. He's got he's got the exact same thought process. Mm-hmm. Everybody's listening to this has. So if I get jumped, say goodbye. All right. And Amber responded, I could never do that to you. I just want me and you back. Okay. Little did Seth know, though, that Kyle and Michael were forming a plan to murder him. Holy shit. Yes. Man, so, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised this is a crime podcast, mm-hmm. but... Could you, uh, these are teenagers like what the fuck is wrong with you like beat them up go ahead you know and then whatever little teenager stuff that's fine but come on don't kill people we're talking about 18 year old michael and 16 year old kyle they're coming up with this idea hey let's get him over here and kill him and kyle's amber's stepbrother yes yeah Earlier that day, Michael asked Amber to text Seth, luring him to Charlie's home. When he arrived, Amber would bring him into the house, and Michael, Kyle, and Justin. Justin is the other one that lives in the house. He is 20 years old. Are there any parents at this house ever? No. Never. This is no parents. So are there, like, this this girl? Charlie. Uh, Charlie lives here by herself? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. I don't know if it was, like, a family member's home. They're like, oh, just keep the, keep the property. You she stay here. She went off on herself at 18. I don't know. Yeah. So, again, they're, this is the plan they're formulating. They're saying that, get him to the house. When he comes in, we're going to attack him. So the plan was that Justin would hit him with a wooden object, and then Michael and Kyle would jump him from behind, and Michael would then shoot Seth. This is the, the verbal plan they're coming up with. Hey, uh, if you're a teenage kid and any of this talk about murdering somebody comes up, go ahead and leave the conversation and don't talk to these people mm-hmm. again. Like that, I'm just, just a little tip. Yeah. Cheapers. Earlier that evening, William and Seth went to hang out with some of the neighborhood friends, and William noticed that Seth was texting Amber. Amber wrote that Seth shouldn't tell anyone about their plan to meet and reconcile. And that, you know, of course, is suspicious, too. Yeah. When Amber called Seth, William urged him not to talk to her. He knew how horrible the relationship was. He's like, buddy, 
It's ended, let it go, move on, find somebody else. For probably the 17th time in their lives. Right. And that's only been a few months. It was like three months or so. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't think you're going to work out. So the two left their friend's house that they were all hanging out at around 9 p.m. And William and Seth parted ways at 9.15 p.m. And this would be the last time that William saw his friend alive. Uh, So from here, Seth headed to Charlie's house. She and Amber met her met him outside, and the three walked inside the home together. Once inside, the plan began, just as the boys had intended. Seth sat down in a chair in the living room, and Kyle came running into the room, holding a wooden object, and delivered a blow to Seth's head. Kyle so, or Justin? I thought Justin was supposed to hit him. In yeah, the head. it was somebody was going to. It was. It ended up being Kyle, not Justin. Okay. Um, I'm assuming when Seth walked into the home, they were in another room hiding and he didn't even see them. Hence the reason he sat down in the chair. He, felt he didn't seem ease. like, yeah, exactly. He didn't seem on guard. He was at ease. So um, Kyle, you know, hits Seth in the head with this wooden object. During this time, Charlie and Amber ran into Charlie's room. Michael began to shoot at Seth and hit him once, though he managed to escape the home, running through the kitchen and out the front door. Wow. When Seth reached the front yard, Justin tackled him and Michael shot him a second time. Michael and Justin began to beat Seth with Michael's urging, and Kyle also joined in. The three of them brought Seth back into the house and placed him in the bathtub. Michael stayed in the bathroom with Seth, hitting him, swearing at him, and firing more bullets. And ultimately, Michael killed Seth with a bullet wound to the face. Holy shit. Yes. So this guy needed to be burned alive, basically. I mean, this is sick. What a completely useless human being. Well, I mean, he's a psychopath. No shit. Oh, my God. And if you're the parents of Seth, I mean, you want this guy dead, like, mm-hmm. immediately. If not, like, if, if it's not going to happen, you want to do it with your own hands, basically. And I'm going to give you some details. They are disturbing, so I'm just giving you a little warning. You may want to just kind of skip ahead, maybe 30, 45 seconds, something like that. So, Michael is suggesting to the others that they break Seth's kneecaps with a baseball bat in order to fit his body into a sleeping bag. They They did this, and then they placed his body wrapped in the sleeping bag and dragged him out to the fire pit in the backyard. That night, the group of five sat around the fire with Seth's body burning and treated the night as a festive event, drinking and celebrating and hanging out in chairs around the fire pit as if it was a normal evening and, you know, there wasn't a teenage boy's dead body burning in front of them. In the fire. Yeah. I mean, there is something sickeningly wrong with it's, this group. It's one of those cases where the, you know, the hive mind happens, where one person's idea seems to be, like, insane, but then if they all agree, like, like huh. they're all like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. Oh, you you agree with it? You agree? Yeah, then it must be sane. Right. And again, you know, Amber's telling people, Seth was beating me. He was abusive to me. Yeah. So that was all a lie. The next morning is now April 18th, 2011. This is kind of where we started that Seth's parents ended up reporting him missing. So James Havens is now getting involved. This is Amber and Kyle's stepdad. He arrived to Charlie's house to help dispose of Seth's remains. So now an adult. Oh, my God. These people are scum of the earth. An adult is getting involved. Are you kidding me? I mean, not that it's not that I can get it from an eighteen-year-old. Like that's an adult uh, as it is. But I yeah, I, I agree with that. But we're talking about a teenager right. versus a grown man, somebody who's lived some life and understood. Like, okay, it's mm-hmm. not always going to need to come down to this, right? Ugh. 
So meanwhile, inside the home was being cleaned with bleach and the remains from the fire pit were placed in three paint buckets with lids that Michael and Justin placed in the back of James' truck along with cinder blocks and a cable. Amber claimed that while all of this was happening, both she and Charlie were sleeping in Charlie's room until about 11 or noon that morning. Uh-huh. James drove his truck with Michael and Justin inside as the passengers and followed Michael's directions. They drove to a remote water-filled rock quarry in Ocala, Florida, where they dumped the buckets, which were weighted down with the cinder blocks. Later that afternoon, James and Michael picked Kyle up from work. So this kid's like going off to work after murdering somebody that day. Well, yeah, you can't stay home and you know get suspicion arised. You got to do your own things like nothing happened. And during the drive, they received a phone call from Tracy, who was Amber and Kyle's mom. She let them know that the police were in the neighborhood and And they were investigating Seth's disappearance. Does she know about this whole thing? That I do not know. Okay. So whether or not she knew, I'm not sure. You'd have to think yes. And that's why she's giving them the heads up. Because the James is part of this whole thing. Maybe. So I'm sure he, you know. Because why would she even tie it, you know? From James' perspective, you know, I, he's probably trying to you know, protect his daughter and son or whatever they are to him. Step, stepchildren. One of them. Yeah. And yeah, so he's trying to protect them, but at the same time, an accessory to a murder. Um, Mm -hmm. So Tracy definitely knew about this is in my opinion. I don't know for sure, but yeah, uh, you don't factually know that it's what you believe. Yeah. So of course, this is the day after Seth had been murdered, but Seth's parents knew that something was wrong. Just as we'd say, in pretty much every podcast we talk about, you know, your kids patterns, you know that they normally keep in touch. They tell you where they're going to be, and that's how Seth was. So when his parents hadn't heard from him and he hadn't come home that night, that's when they called to report him missing that day. So Michael asked to borrow money from Kyle, and he told Kyle that he planned to leave town. James took Michael back to Ocala so that he could meet up with an out-of-town girlfriend named Kristen Williams. During this visit, he Wait, told wasn't her... Michael with Amber at this time? Well, I don't know that um, it's like an ex-girlfriend, I believe. Oh, okay. My bad. Maybe I, I didn't say that properly. Like so, a friend that's a girl. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I don't know how serious the relationship truly was between Michael Maybe and Amber. Maybe they were just talking and stuff and he just hated Perhaps. Yeah. But so Michael's meeting back up in Ocala. He's meeting with this girl named Kristen Williams. So during their visit, he told her that he and some friends had gotten into a fight with a kid and he had shot him and that they had taken him apart burned him and, and placed his remains in a rock quarry near the home please Kristen actually williams. near her home is what he told her please Kristen williams tell somebody about this so from here james drove michael to Kristen's father's home in stark florida just nearby i guess here he's telling michael's now telling james williams jr this is Kristen's brother the good news is michael is a complete dumbass Mm -hmm. telling too many people good thing because not only is he a psychopath but he's a dumbass and they like to brag yeah about what they did you know they're not going to be the anonymous donor they're going to be the one that gives some money and tells everybody about it yeah like i don't want to brag but i did this that and the other exactly so he's telling Kristen's brother now that he had shot a boy eight times with a 22 caliber pistol and killed him he also told him that he had broke his kneecaps, placed him in a sleeping bag, and burned him. Also, just like he did with Kristen, he detailed where he placed the remains. So Michael told now Crystal Anderson, who is Kristen's dad's girlfriend, 
again, this is now the third person he's bragging to, that he killed a guy that raped his little sister. So now he's lying. He described how he beat him, he chased him outside, he shot him, and he placed him in the bathtub. He described that because all the remains had not burned completely, he, and this is disturbing, he had to use pliers to remove Seth's teeth that were left in his skull. And that's just so terrible to even think that this actually happened. To make sure it can identify Yes. Yeah. He told the story in addition to these people to a neighbor of the Williams, Joshua Paget. So... <laughs> What of these idiot. people, somebody called the cops. Well, thank no God. Shit. I mean, once he once he told two people, I'm like, okay. And now he's told four. <laughs> yeah. So police arrived to the Williams's home on April 19th, 2011, and they took Michael into custody. Before being taken in, Michael had destroyed his cell phone. You know, he's doing all sorts of damage control, cleaning up these messes that he's making, you know, with spilling his story to four different people. So the others involved, including James Havens, were arrested two days after the murder. So we're talking Charlie, Amber, Kyle, Justin, James. And Michael's already in custody at this point. So while in his cell, just as we would expect, shortly after his arrest, he is now telling, Michael is telling his cellmate about the details of how he <laughs> killed a kid who had raped his girlfriend. Trying he, to get people on his side. Mm-hmm. He told him how he accidentally burned his own face while trying to dispose of the body. A corrections officer named David Smith is standing nearby. He overhears this whole story. And he heard Michael tell the inmate that there were only two witnesses that actually saw me shoot him. So during the investigations, warrants were issued to to search the room that Michael had at his grandmother's house as well as Charlie's house and the rock quarry where they disposed of Seth's body. So he told all the information, obviously? Or who told them where the everything was disposed? Well, he told everybody at the house, at um, the Williams's house, oh, so about knew. the quarry. So oh, they wow. knew exactly where to okay, go. Okay, good. So they got warrants to search everywhere. Again, his grandmother's house, Charlie's house, this quarry. Charlie's house, um, I'm sorry, in the room of his grandmother's house, they found a heritage gun box and a spent 22 caliber cartridge. At Charlie's house, they found a loaded 22 heritage revolver and two boxes of live ammunition that were hidden, hidden inside a floor vent. They also found wow, 22 good. caliber casings. Good police work. Mm-hmm. The casings were found in several rooms throughout the house. Outside the home, they found dried paint on the ground, a rake that had dried paint on the tines, drag marks, a pressure washer, and a fire pit containing possible human remains. Wow. In the Ocala, or, I'm sorry, Ocala, in the Ocala quarry, they located a five-gallon bucket floating with two attached cinder blocks underwater. So a DNA expert concluded that the remains from the quarry matched the remains from the fire pits and that these remains belonged to Seth Jackson. Okay, hook, line, and sinker. Got him. Blood evidence was found by crime scene investigators on the bathroom, the kitchen, and the living room floors, as well as on the bathroom and kitchen ceilings in Charlie's home. DNA evidence couldn't be obtained from the blood on the bathroom and the kitchen, though Charlie's DNA was found in a mixture of blood found on the bathroom wall. Kyle and Seth's DNA was found from blood in the living room floor, and on Michael, um, his DNA was found on the kitchen ceiling. A firearms expert concluded that Michael's revolver couldn't be excluded as a murder weapon. A medical examiner concluded that he observed blood spatter consistent with a projectile or bullet impact, 
in an x-ray of a skull fragment that was found from Seth's remains, which were consistent with a gunshot wound to the head or face, which is what Seth suffered from. So it was um, determined that Seth died from a gunshot wound as well as blunt force trauma. Mm. So Michael testified that he took absolutely no part in Seth's murder. He said that he only helped to dispose of his remains. So from what um, Michael is saying, he's accusing Kyle of stealing his gun after the two argued the night of the murder. He said that during his fight against Kyle and Justin, his nose was broken and he got black eyes and a busted lip. So the, even though he bragged everybody already that mm-hmm. he killed this dude, yep. Seth, sorry, um, even though he, he bragged everybody, now that he's officially on the record, he's saying that he didn't do it mm-hmm. and it was these other guys. Yeah, he's okay. saying that Kyle and Justin are turning on him. They they broke his nose. They busted his lip. He said after this happened, he showered, he drank some beer, he looked for his gun, and he left to see a girlfriend. Michael claimed that at 9 p.m. that night, he began walking in the direction of his girlfriend's house. And again, we know that that's around the time that Mike, or I'm sorry, that Seth was leaving his friend's house that he was gathering at. Yeah, 9.15-ish. 9.15 was when William last saw Seth. So Michael's saying, I'm already out of that house. I'm nowhere to be when Seth would have arrived. Bullshit, yeah. Yeah. So he said he was moving very slowly on this walk because of a recent knee injury. He said that after two hours of walking, he He had stopped along the way to roll two joints. He also vomited. He said he gave up and called his dad, who picked him up and took him back to Charlie's house. According to him, when he arrived back at the house, Charlie was scrubbing the floor with bleach and Amber was drinking and crying. He said that when he went to his room, he saw Justin, who he said had his gun, but refused to return it to him until he talked to Kyle. He said that this is when Kyle told him that he had shot and killed Seth with his gun. Michael said he suggested that they call the police and Kyle threatened to pin the murder on him if he did this. So that's that's uh, Michael's story. Okay. So during the trial, Kyle is testifying that on the day of the murder, Michael suggested to him that they kill Seth after Amber lured him to the house. He said that he himself witnessed Michael shoot and beat Seth. James Havens testified that he overheard Michael and the others involved discussing the idea of killing someone. And then on the night of the murder, Michael called James and told him the deed is done. On the night of the murder, a neighbor from two houses away witnessed two or three males chasing and beating a kid with his with their fists in Charlie's front yard and then bring the the kid in home in the home at approximately 9:30 p.m. the night of the murder. The would, neighbor himself witnessed this. They would have just said something, you mm-hmm. know, but at the same time you don't want to get shot or beaten, you know, if there's these crazy kids that are going after people. He claimed that he heard no gunshots yeah. during the this night. He said he heard doors and stuff and somebody yell out, "Get him." Mm-hmm. But no actual gunshots. Yeah, you want to mind your own business for the most part. It was reported that Michael suffered from frontal lobe brain damage, bipolar disorder, schizoaffective disorder, complex partial seizure disorder, hallucinations with diminished control over inhibitions. They said he grew up being abandoned by his father. He was disadvantaged in an abusive home. By age 14 or 15, he began to self-harm. And while in ninth grade, a psychologist suggested that he be sent to a mental institute. These 
were not heeded, they sent him to boot camp instead. So he spent six months in boot camp where he also received counseling. And in March of 2009, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, though he wasn't taking any prescribed medications at the time of the murder. The jury found Michael guilty of first degree murder with a firearm and recommended that he be sentenced to death by a vote of 10 to 2. Wow. So despite some of the suspects being juveniles, each was tried as an adult. Amber Wright, Kyle Hooper, Charlie Ely, and Justin Soto were tried separately. In June of 2012, Amber and Kyle were found guilty of first-degree murder. Amber appeared for a retrial in early 2016, which ended up with the same verdict. Again, she was sentenced to life in prison. James Havens. So Amber was sentenced to life in prison. mm -hmm. And Kyle as well? Kyle was also, yes. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, James Havens received 10 years for accessory to murder because, again, he helped with the cleanup and the disposal of Seth's body. And heard about them planning the murder mm-hmm. and didn't could stop have, it. Could have helped potentially stop it. Yep. Charlie and Justin also received life sentences, though Charlie's conviction was vacated in 2020 and she was released from prison at that time. Hmm. So she's out free. So Charlie's attorney is Jose Baez, and he said he thought that, you know, she's happy to be free, but she herself feels that she has nothing to celebrate over as she feels terrible for the Jackson family. Baez reported that this case was a perfect example of the importance of being careful of who you surround yourself with. He felt that her only crime was that she was present at the time of the murder. He said that she had no role in the murder or the cleanup. She claimed that the boys threatened to kill her if she didn't go along with what was happening. It's a good story, but it did happen at her house. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, who's to say maybe they did? Maybe they're, they're crazy kids. Mm-hmm. I get it. but um, She said that they pointed a gun in her face and that before Seth was killed, she had only met him twice. She had no vendetta against him. So a good story to stay with if, if that's true. Judge Anthony Taddy, who resentenced Amber of 2016, said, I have not seen or heard anything more despicable than what led to Seth Jackson's death. I cannot imagine circumstances any worse. And I pray to my God that the reason behind this is some chemical imbalance or a brain that hasn't matured. It's really hard to deal with the notion that such an evil could exist without an explanation. Seth's mom, Sonia, said, It does not take a fully developed mind to understand right from wrong. A two-year-old learns that hurting others is not acceptable in our society. She faced Amber and said, We hope that guilt eats you inside and out, knowing that you caused all of this. You fed into Bargo, which is Michael, his deranged desires with your lies. All of this happened because of you. Many feel that, yes, Michael was the ultimate killer who fired the um, bullets that killed Seth, but that it was Amber who was the absolute catalyst, the one who convinced Michael that Seth had beaten her, and the one who texted him and lured him to his ultimate death. So, question for you. Uh, You did the research on Mm -hmm. this. Bigger piece of shit, Amber or Michael? Michael being the one that actually did the most of the murdering there. And Amber is the entire reason that this whole murder even happened because of her manipulation and lies and also unwillingness to stop a plan where she... It, it, it reminds me... I 
of like the office where like Angela's like waiting for the guys to like fight, you know, over her love or something. Mm -hmm. It's almost like she was getting off on loving to see this. Yes. That's kind of what I got from it. And I, I think that she is pure evil. Yeah. Pure evil. And I mean, obviously Michael, I mean, he's a monster. So bigger piece of shit, piece of shit meter. Who's top on the piece of shit meter? I don't know. I guess Amber. I'm going to say Amber. Michael, Michael had some mental issues, you know, that he was dealing with, which doesn't make anything even close to okay. So, you know, definitely deserves life in prison, death Mm -hmm. sentence, all that stuff, because he pulled the trigger multiple times, all that other bad stuff. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, you're, you're not, you don't deserve to be a member of society. I, I'm sorry. I know, you know, we might not be able to have the power to be able to take people's lives or we shouldn't. I get that argument, but if any ever time, this is a decent time to take advantage of that. And just the fact that, you know, a three month long relationship with two 15 year olds ended in murder is just unbelievable to me. Yeah. And uh, while you were doing this, I was looking up uh, on Google I wanted to see what Michael Bargo looked like. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that came up was a petition to save his life. Uh, this like, some, <laughs> started by whom? Some person in Germany. Like, so, <laughs> why would you want to save this person's life? Uh, through the, like, love of Jesus Christ, basically. Well, I mean, I guess if that's the case, you don't want anybody to be put to death. Yeah, ultimately, they, they link to end the death penalty in Florida. So mm-hmm. that's it's somebody who's anti-death penalty, which I there's definitely an argument for that. Yeah, and I see that. Yeah, but um, hey, while we got it, let's put Michael Bargo... Uh, in the ground, I'd say. I mean, I don't I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other about it. Yeah. He's obviously a horrific human being. Uh, just so you know, it only has 466 signatures. Okay. And it's been around for a long time. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work, no. but it's just a very sad story. I just, it's tragic to think that, you know, his parents lost their child over something so horrific. Yeah, a complete lie. Lie. That this Amber chick just completely made up because Mm -hmm. she wanted the power. And the attention. Amber sucks and Michael's a psychopath and these other people went along with it. Man, if all I can say, if you're with this group, friend group, it's going this way, get the hell out. Yeah. While you can. Poor Seth. Well, thank you for bringing the uh, information to our our, uh, whereabouts or Mm -hmm. thoughts. And uh, yeah, poor Seth Jackson. Uh, thank you for all, so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you like m- more of what we have to offer, we do bonus episodes every other week. And you can get those bonus episodes by becoming a Patreon. Yeah, you can. Or a patron on Patreon. So go look in the show notes, click on bonus episodes, and it'll bring you over there. You can you know, spend five bucks, 10 bucks, 25 bucks, you know, any of those, and uh, you get yourself some uh, bonus episodes. The first tier, you get one bonus episode a month. Second tier, you get every other week. So um, I'd like to shout out to these uh, fantastic patrons colleen lily karen nadine Allie, michael kayla dominic brian shannon elizabeth mandy elena vivian trisha lauren megan jamie chastity elizabeth clara ann emily kathy ava jovi eileen misty rochelle destiny ellie sherry melanie bettina Rebecca, Gabrielle, Angela, Sabrina, Sandra, Taylor, 
Dana and Allison. <gasps> Allison. Yeah, I mean, all beautiful names, but especially, you know, that last one's got a special place in our hearts. So <laughs> thank you all yeah. so much. Thank, and thank you so much. Thank you all for being here and listening. And we're hoping that you all have a healthy and happy 2023. Quick reminder if you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Audible, Amazon Audible, or any of those. And we do appreciate it. So thank you. And until next time, bye. bye.